great Scott. Are you a sports fan who loves to have a good laugh? Oh, yeah. Then you're in the right place. I'm going to make him an offer again. Life moves pretty fast. Welcome to the Man Cave Chronicles. Welcome to another episode of the Man Cave Chronicles podcast, a podcast of talk culture where everyone has a story. My guest this week, writer, actor, comedian, author, he's a little bit of everything. You've seen him on Funny or Die and Beauty of the Geek, Nate Dern. Nate, How's it going? welcome to the cave. Thanks for having me. What's going on? Not too much. I'm uh, enjoying a beautiful, sunny, windy day in Los Angeles at the moment. Yeah. Well, uh, how's everything treating you out there? It's good. I've been here about a year. I was in uh, New York City for about a decade before that. Uh, then I went to school at Harvard before that. And then I was growing up in Colorado. And that's <laughs> my whole life story. <laughs> oh, podcast is over. <laughs> uh, so, uh, What's the most exciting thing going on uh, with you right now? Um, well, I just, uh, this past year, my I had a book come out called Not Quite a Genius. Uh, and that's like a collection of essays and stories. So that was pretty exciting to see that finally happen out in the world. Um, and then at the moment, my latest side project is I'm working on this app called NewQ, Okay. Uh, where we're trying to like gamify the news in a fun and entertaining way. Uh, so basically what we do with the app is um, we have users make predictions about the news. So they'll say like, I think that, uh, you know, Donald Trump will be impeached. Or I think that the Los Angeles Dodgers will beat uh, the Oakland A's. Like any prediction like that, that has a verifiable yes or no outcome. And then we have people vote on that and then you keep track. So people have like different scores based on, how well they are able to guess stuff in the news, and then we'll kind of start ranking people to try to give uh, some credibility to people who end up paying attention to the news. That's interesting. How did you come up with that idea? Um, it was with uh, the uh, creator, John Norman Finkel, and kind of the the impetus for it was to combat fake news. And kind of it just feels like there's a lot of people with strong opinions about the news, but then not really paying attention to actual outcomes. So trying to like get people on the same page with facts again and having people focus on actual objective outcomes. Yeah. Hmm. That sounds like a, a fun little thing, you know, where people would keep busy, you know, like especially, you know, you have scores and stuff like that and people like to play yeah. games like that. Yeah, that's the hope. And so it'll be an app where, yeah, you can like swipe between different stories and then vote. Um, we've got a preview version out right now if you go to newq.com that's k-n-e-w-q.com and we should have the version live in the app store uh, by this summer oh. so something to keep an eye out for. oh yeah i'll check i'll definitely check it out oh thanks man all right um so you were uh, born and raised in colorado born and raised in colorado how was it uh, living there i loved it i miss it yeah it was, it was the best a uh, small town called evergreen lots of mountains and sunshine and snow in the winter um yeah, it was great. I like, I you know, I've spent so much time living in cities since then. I uh, sometimes I think I'm crazy that I moved away because it was just it was just about perfect. Um, might end back up there one day, but yeah, for now, trying to do the uh, entertainment, comedy, writing, acting, all that stuff, you yeah. kind of helps to be in either L.A. or New York City. Do you still have family that lives there? I do. Yeah, my parents are still in the same house I grew up 
fan. So I, I get back there a couple times a year. Yeah. Did you uh, enjoy uh, baseball when it started there? I was actually I just went to a Dodgers game uh, two nights ago with a friend, and we actually started talking about the Rockies when that when they first started. Um, yeah, I, at the time I was still playing little league, so it was very exciting. And I remember like the inaugural lineup and like Dante Bichette and Andres Galarraga and all that. So it was like at the time it felt very cool to have them start when I was still you know playing baseball and stuff. Yeah. So uh, after that, you went to Harvard. Uh, what did you major in? I majored in anthropology, of all things, if you can believe. <laughs> <laughs> what made you a major in that? Well, when I went there, I thought I, I thought maybe I was going to do like law school or politics or something like that. So I was looking at you know the political science or the government degree or some of the more uh, typical things that people do before law school. And then I I just was taking a bunch of different classes and really it's just by chance the first anthropology class I took that first semester which I kind of did on a whim, I just loved. And then I, I learned a little bit more that one of my favorite authors, uh, Kurt Vonnegut, studied anthropology. And he kind of said, you know, rather than like studying English or something and then becoming a writer, if you studied another field and you kind of learned something interesting about the world or about humans, then you could use that in your writing. Um, so I kind of used that for motivation to do it. And there's still a part of me, uh, I'm actually about to finish a PhD, not in anthropology, but in sociology. So it's a related social science field. Yeah. So there's a part of me that still might want to try to get back into academia one day and be a professor. Because I really love all that stuff, the learning and all that. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, I've kind of moved away from it so, in recent years. So you like people watching, in other words. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Which goes along with comedy, you know, with observational comedy. I think they're related. <laughs> so how, so while you were in Harvard, you, uh, you pursued improv. How did that happen? Yeah, that was also, I, I had, I'd kind of heard of improv. Like I, I'd watched whose line is it anyway on TV on comedy central, that short form improv show yeah. uh, with Drew Carey. And so it was sort of on my radar, but not really. And then, um, the freshman week I was like, <laughs> there was a, a girl I met at like the ice cream social who I wanted to ask on a date. So I was just looking for like a random activity to take her to. And I think that night by chance, there was a flyer for an improv show. So I asked her if she wanted to go to that. But then once I was at the show, I stopped paying attention to my date and I was just like, Oh my God, this is the best thing I've ever seen. And I just fell in love with improv. And I thought all the people in the group were really cool. And I just wanted to be a part of it and learn how they did what they did. So I auditioned for the group and got in and then that became like one of the most important things in my life. <laughs> There's a lot of improv uh, areas in Boston out there too. Did you, oh, yeah. did you perform in any of those? I did. Yeah. Like home base was always at Harvard, but then we would do, we would like took some classes or did workshops like at improv asylum and improv Boston. Um, and then we would perform there too. Sometimes at some of their like shows where they let some of the college teams be at. And we go see shows there and stuff. Um, yeah, it was great. Yeah. Did you uh, try any stand-up while you were doing improv? I did, yeah. In college, I started stand-up for the first time at the comedy studio in Cambridge um, above the Kong Chinese food restaurant <laughs> Yeah, uh, on Mass Ave, I think. And um, it was – yeah, I did it for years. And I in New York, I ran an open mic for a little over a year and did stand-up a lot while I was doing that. And I – I like it, but I was never great at it. It was always like 
kind of a struggle for me. So I really admire people who are good at stand up. Yeah. I never quite cracked that nut, but it's still something I've I really enjoy uh, and think about. Like one day, maybe I'd get back into it, but it's it's really hard to do well. Yeah. So uh, how did you uh, become part of the the UCB? While doing improv at Harvard, I was in a group called the Immediate Gratification Players, or IGP. And once a year, we would do like a pilgrimage to New York City where we would watch a UCB show. Um, and then we would basically like go back in the rest of the year, try to reverse engineer what they did. So we'd try to be like, okay, they did that thing. How could we do that in our shows? Um, so it was on my radar as a place where people did improv and like treated improv seriously. And so basically towards the end of college, I realized like, well, comedy is my favorite thing to do. And specifically improv comedy, I, I don't want to stop doing it. And since I knew that UCB was a place where adults <laughs> kept doing yeah. improv comedy. So I was like, all right, I guess I'll go there and kind of have that be my home base until I can figure out how you get a job doing this stuff. And UCB is pretty huge. And you've had a few SNL people that have gone through that. Yeah, totally. Like the um, one of the founders, uh, Amy Poehler, who's probably our most famous alumni, she went on to SNL and all that. And then, yeah, like Bobby Moynihan, who is one of my first teachers, was big on SNL for a long time. They've had a lot of writers on SNL um, over the years and like Zach Woods on The Office and now on Silicon Valley. Yeah. Um, a lot of other great folks over the years. Do you enjoy SNL now these days? I do. I do. It's um, I think it's the type of thing where people always remember like the glory days of their um, of their favorite time of the show. And I think it's like hit or miss with the episodes. So I'm or with with each sketch. So I'm the type of guy where if there's like a sketch that people in the comedy community are talking about, I'll go watch it online. Or yeah. if there's like a host that I especially like, I might go seek it out. But I don't, I don't watch every episode with like some of my comedy friends. They never miss an episode, but I, I'm, I'm more particular. Yeah. Yeah. That's how I am too. I think it's more like, Oh, this person's hosting. I want to record it, watch it the next day. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. Like in the nineties, you know, when you, when you had like, you know, Adam Sandler and all those guys, I, w- I would watch it constantly. Yeah. I did too. Growing up, I'd watch it every single Saturday night. So, um, yeah. and you became a teacher for UCP for a while too, right? I was, yeah. So I was a performer and then a teacher. Uh, so I taught improv classes. And then I was uh, artistic director in New York City for a few years. So that just meant that I like ran our auditions for the house teams and set the schedule and that sort of thing. Yeah. How was your experience as being a teacher? I liked it a lot. I, um, I really liked it. Yeah, I wasn't – sometimes I'm a comedy snob. So I wasn't sure if I'd be like – rolling my eyes like oh these <laughs> these students they're not funny but it was it wasn't like that at all I think when you're in like the headspace of being a teacher you're kind of you're rooting for your students so you see the best in them you know you're kind of generous more generous with seeing what they're going for and trying to like help them be the best version of themselves so yeah I really liked it a lot do you still perform sometimes I do. Yeah. So I'm in, I had a regular show in New York city for a long time called what I did for love. And that team still exists and they still perform every Saturday. Uh, and then lately I've been doing a monthly show in LA called brain time. Um, so I have a show this Saturday, but I guess depending on when this episode comes out. Uh, but if you search for UCB brain time in, in the LA theaters, you could see what our next show is. And, um, 
So uh, when did you join uh, Funny or Die as a writer? Yeah, I joined about three years ago. Uh, three. I was there for about three and a half years total. Um, I started as news editor and writer, so I like oversaw a lot of our more like current event political stuff. And then I got promoted to senior writer after a couple of years. Um, and that actually just came to an end this past January when uh, Funny or Die closed their editorial department because websites are kind of in this crunch phase right now. So Funny or Die actually no longer has any in-house writers. Wow. Yeah. So you don't you don't write like skits or anything either anymore? I, yeah, I did. But my I had one that just came out like a few weeks ago because it was still on the edit um, called The Reason That Nobody Likes You. <laughs> <laughs> That that's probably going to be my final sketch as an official funnier die writer. <laughs> so that's funny. So how did you end up on? Uh, I was told to ask you this. How did you end up on Beauty and the Geek? <laughs> that that one also kind of fell into my lap. So I was I was at Harvard uh, handing out flyers for my improv comedy team actually, and so I was probably I think I was wearing like a trucker's hat and probably like ill-fitting clothing that didn't match. Um, and these two like Hollywood types came up to me and said, Hey, we think you'd be a great fit for this show. And they handed me a flyer of their own. And at first I thought it was a scam or something. And then I kind of looked at the flyer and it said like WB or I guess CW at the time. And, um, I realized like, Oh, this is a real show. And then, yeah, just from like randomly being found on the street, they invited me to submit. Um, cause I think they were recruiting, you know, quote unquote geeks from schools like Harvard and MIT and whatnot. Uh, so yeah, I got recruited just by chance. They saw me on the street. Yeah. Where was that show filmed? Uh, it was filmed in Los Angeles, actually, like in uh, in a <laughs> in this mansion in Koreatown. Wow. So yeah, we were like locked in the inside this mansion for like six weeks, and they would like bus us to various challenges and whatnot around Southern California. And you were on the show for two years, right? Um, that one, I, it filmed over the course of six weeks and then it aired over um, eight episodes. Uh, but then they brought me back the next year. So yeah, two seasons. And on the second season, I was a co-host for the casting special. Oh. So I wasn't a full on, you know, contestant the second season. I was just on it for like the first episode. How was the experience on the show? Did you enjoy it? I did actually. Yeah, it was totally bizarre. It was, it was very trippy. Um, like one of the nice things about it actually in a weird way is that I'm always like with school and work, I'm always worrying about a million things, but during the show, they like took away your computer, took away your phone. You weren't allowed to look at the internet. You weren't allowed to watch TV and so for the like one of the only times in my life I had like nothing to focus on but the task at hand of being on the show and usually whatever the task was was something really silly. <laughs> so it was kind of a nice relief just to like for once be able to kind of only focus on one thing at a time. The Man Cave Chronicles on Twitter at the MCC podcast. We'll be right back. 
rotoware.com rotoware big shout out to the rotoware uh company it's so goddamn comfortable can't recommend them enough man yeah. high quality t-shirts shout out to rotoware.com you see me rocking the shirts on the videos and stuff like that where'd you get that rotoware that is courtesy of rotoware it's just it's just the highest quality of shirts yeah i really like the baseball designs you got here the shirt is beautiful everybody who i've talked to who has the shirt basically says they can't believe how good the quality is. yeah kid i've seen you've been getting a lot of love you said you've been only running for a little over a month CBS guys are tweeting out shirts. I'm seeing fantasy personalities everywhere digging this guy's shirt. I love the Run DFS shirt. It comes with the baseball cards with all the different shirts on it. Rotoware on Twitter. Check out rotoware.com. Oh my God. Is this, is this shirt making love to me right now? Like, what's going on? I love this shirt. Hey, this is Keith Coogan, uh, Brad, and the Adventures of Babysitting Kenny in downtown on Babysitter's Dad. And you're listening to the Man Cave Chronicles podcast. Um, it was also weird at times, and some parts of it sucked, but <laughs> it was overall a cool experience. Did you, uh, after the show ended, did people recognize you from being on the show? A little bit, yeah. Like, I got some, you know, messages on Facebook and that sort of thing. And then right after the show aired, I was in New York doing a stand up show, actually, in Times Square, where I would hand out flyers for the stand-up show. So just by the nature of being in Times Square, I would get passed by, you know, like thousands of people a minute or whatever. Um, probably not thousands a minute, thousands an hour, like just with how crowded it is. Yeah. And so just statistically, like a few people would notice me every hour. Um, that's pretty much faded. Like it's been a very long time since yeah. someone recognize me from it but in the immediate like months that followed yeah it was like pretty regular i'd get recognized how does it feel being a meme <laughs> it was that i was stoked about it was such a surprise when i became the uh, the hunk guy meme on, on reddit yeah um people some people right after though i think i was a divisive meme it might have been like 60 40 with people who thought it was kind of a funny silly thing and then people who thought i was like an at&t plant who thought that it was like all faked or you know yeah advertising something like that uh for this at&t commercial that it came from um but yeah that was pretty surprising so you had your first book that was published not Mm -hmm. not quite a genius how long did it take you to write that it's I was working on it in earnest for about two years, where I was like dedicated to working on it as like my main side project. But then some of the pieces in it I had started working on like ten years ago. So like for example, the very first piece in the book is about my experience on Beauty and the Geek. So it's a nonfiction piece. And I, I wrote like the first draft of that one right after I was on the show, like ten years ago. And then I kept revising it and changing it over the course of the next decade as kind of like I got more and more distance from the experience. Um, so in some ways, like the pieces in it, I'd been working on for a decade, but it was really like the last two years before it was published that it was like a priority and I was focusing on it yeah. uh, as like my number one side project. Like, How did you come up with the idea? Like, how did you say like, one, you know what, I'm going to write a book? I've always wanted to since I was a kid. Like I just, I always loved reading and books and so like Kurt Vonnegut in high school became my first favorite author so I I always knew I wanted to try to do something like that and I'm still hoping to write more like I'd I'd like to write a novel and I'd like to write a nonfiction book um but with this particular one I read this collection of comedy pieces 
um, by BJ Novak called One More Thing, Stories and Other Stories. And I really loved it. And that was what inspired me to be like, you know what? I've written a bunch of comedy pieces over the last few years. I wonder if I've written enough to fill a book. So I just opened up a Word document and literally just put in everything I'd ever written. And then I just looked at the word count or like the page total. And I was like, okay, I don't know if it's good enough to be a book, but I know it's at least long enough to be a book. Um, That was the start of it. When did the book come out? It came out this past August. So August 2017. And did you do like a little book tour with it or stuff like that? Um, Yeah, did a little book tour, uh, mainly on the West Coast, like eight different places. Um, Then also did Colorado and New York City. Uh, Seattle, Portland, a few in uh, California. Yeah. Did you get a lot of fans to come out and see you? Not a lot. <laughs> no. no, not a ton. No. Um, the one in Colorado, probably I got the most. I think I had over 50 people at that. And that was a lot of people from growing up, like so some old high school friends and uh, high school teachers, elementary school, that sort of thing. Oh, so you, um, didn't, you didn't get like some crazy woman from watching the TV show to come out there and meet you? <laughs> no, I got. I think I had a couple people who were who have been fans since Beauty and the Geek, but not too many. Probably, I think there's probably less than ten out there who <laughs> became fans from Beauty and the Geek and then still follow me. Because yeah. one thing that I learned is that sort of the the persona that I had on Beauty and the Geek, uh, it's not like it was a character or anything, but you know, it's like pretty highly edited and whatever. But then the like the humor that I create and the videos that I make and the articles I write are probably pretty different than that persona. Um, and they're maybe a little more absurd or a little like weirder. Cause that's just kind of my sense of humor. So I think probably if you were a fan of me, I'm being a geek. And then you went to like my website and saw the stuff that I'm making, there might be a disconnect there <laughs> where your fandom might uh, dissipate after <laughs> What what's the best advice you ever received from somebody? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, really early. I remember one time when I was uh, this is this is kind of lame, but I remember one time when I was hungover <laughs> and feeling really bad in college. Um, someone told me this too shall pass, uh, and just as a mantra, this too shall pass. I really find kind of comforting and so whenever I'm in a you know a a hard time in my life and you know something harder than just getting over a hangover but something like seriously difficult or stressful I kind of will just say to myself this too shall pass Um, and you can kind of endure anything like humans are very good at uh, enduring things and so if you if you kind of cannot be so focused on how much something sucks right now, but just kind of try to relax and realize like this too shall pass. I think I, you can deal with a lot. Yeah. Are you in the whole like, you know, positivity and everything? I try to be. Yeah. Try to be. I'm not, I'm like not too new agey, loosey goosey. I don't think. Yeah. Um, but I do think that, you know, the mind's a powerful thing and you can, have a lot of influence constructing your experience and that everybody has problems and that if you, if you just blame how you're doing on only external factors, you're kind of, uh, shirking responsibility. What, um, 
So you, like you've done, you've been, you know, you've done a lot of interviews and you've been on a few podcasts and stuff like that. What is one question you wish people would ask you? <laughs> oh, fun. Um, a question uh, that I wish I wish people would ask me is, um, uh, do you do you want to know the secret to taking care of house plants? Because then then I would say yes. And then they would tell me the answer because I all my house plants die. I'm very <laughs> bad at taking care of them. I'm, I don't know if you can tell, but I'm looking at one right now that's just withered and sad, and I'm I'm feeling very bad that I have once again let this plant die. <laughs> you sound like my wife. That's why I never get her flowers. <laughs> <All right>. <laughs> <laughs> so when you're not working, like what do you enjoy doing? Um, my biggest thing outside of work and comedy at the moment is running so like distance running um i just ran a, the los angeles marathon which is the third marathon i've done and yeah i'm trying to like stay healthy and keep doing that so that's like i love uh, reading about running and following runners like on social media i can get very nerdy just looking at like people's times and looking at people's training regiments and reading running message boards about injury advice or recovery advice, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, so I get, I get very nerdy about that. We, uh, we have the Boston marathon coming up this weekend. Did you, yeah. uh, did you go to it when you were in Harvard? You know, I never did. Cause I, at the time I was doing shorter distance stuff. I was just doing like, like, you know, 5k, 8k would be the longest that I would do. Um, and I was worried about getting hurt for, cause I was on the team. Yeah, so very excited for the Boston Marathon this year. I, I would like to run it one day. I just um, at the LA Marathon this past year, I just ran a Boston qualifying time. So if if my schedule allows it and I can afford it, I'd love to try to do it next year. Yeah. Are you active on social media? Do you like to talking to other people on there? Yeah, I'm on I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. I don't know if Reddit counts as social media, but I'm on that. I'm loving commenting and reading comments on reddit um do you enjoy roasted on reddit oh i don't know that one where people wrote people put pictures on it says roast me and people are just oh <laughs> say the worst things possible to somebody oh, man. Ooh, <laughs> i gotta check that out yeah you should <laughs> i think i'd be too afraid to do it myself yeah i don't think i have the the, yeah. nut, the nut sack to... oh man knowing the comments on reddit i bet people get real mean <laughs> So I have another question I was told to ask you. Uh, how do you, right. how do you woo women? Oh man. I, I mean, I'm, I'm married these days. I've been, so I'm fortunately, I was never very good at wooing women. So I think I, uh, I'm off the hook now. Yeah. I, <laughs> I think my, at, back in the day, man, I, I never really had any like game or strategy. Um, but I think I would always, I would kind of, I think, come on strong in terms of like being very effusive with praise and like being really into someone right away. And I think sometimes that would scare people off. But then if they were into it too, then it kind of sealed the deal quickly. So it's sort of a, a strategy that it would very quickly either work or not work. <laughs> yeah. Did you enjoy doing the funny or die videos that you were in? I loved it. Yeah. It was the best job I've ever had up until this point. It was great. It was like, I loved everyone else who worked there. Um, 
yeah, and it was a super great experience. I was very grateful to get to do it. And, and you probably met some decent uh, celebrities that did some of the videos with you guys. Yeah, totally. Which was which was neat. Um, we just uh, one of the last videos I did. This guy Diego Boneda was in. Who he's on Scream Queens, and I think I just saw he just got cast in the new like James Cameron Terminator project. So he's like already a pretty big deal, and I think he's probably going to get even bigger. Um, and then this guy Blake Jenner, I did a video with recently. This Pokemon horror movie uh, mashup parody thing, and he was on. Um, uh, glee <laughs> uh, and then also took meetings we would do meetings like all the time with bigger folks like yeah. very famous people but then they would often like get cold feet about actually doing the project either they would or their publicists would be like uh, ah we don't want to offend anyone so they would like sort of hear us on ideas and we had pitched them on stuff we wanted to do but then very frequently they would kind of back out or decide not to do it hmm. Um, I did a video with Blink-182 and Linkin Park this past summer. That was great because I, I loved both of those bands growing up. Oh, so yeah. that was cool to get to meet them. Yeah. Do, do you um, So do you enjoy writing for like The New Yorker? And uh, who else you've written for? You've written for The New Yorker? You've written for Time Out New York? Yeah, um, McSweeney's. Actually, I have a piece in McSweeney's called An Intrepid Explorer Discovers a Man Cave. Uh, so I've got some man cave humor on there. There you go. Um, and then I've written for outside magazine a lot, actually kind of combining like my writing and running interests. Uh, and I have a piece coming out in the Atlantic about the Spartan obstacle course races that should be coming out sometime in May. Um, yeah, so I, I really enjoy it. So, uh, is there anything else you want to tell listeners before we end this? Say, uh, Come say hi uh, online, natedurn.com or at Nate Dern on Twitter. And then check out New Q when it comes out this summer. Definitely. I would definitely check that out when the podcast ends. Thanks, are, you, are you on Instagram also? Oh, I'm on Instagram also. All right. Um, yeah. And uh, thanks again for having me. I really appreciate it. Oh, this was fun. I hope you, hope you come back on. Yeah, man. I will for sure. Thanks so much for listening to the Man Cave Chronicles. Follow them on Twitter at the MCC Podcast. We'll catch you next time.